Hey, we are so glad you guys are all here. We are especially gra- glad that you, anybody that is new has come to join us today. We say that every single week, but we need you guys to know that we mean it. We really do mean it. We so love anybody that is coming here. We love it that you invite somebody that is new. And we love it that you have come in here and, and you're just checking it out. And let us just tell you, we know that feeling. We know that feeling of, of, of you're, you've come into a place and you're trying to figure out, is this, is this a place I'd actually want to, to come to again? Is this a place that I actually would get to know some people? You look around, you go, how would I get to know this group of people in here? You, you, your, your, your kids, you're wondering, you know, are they, what are my kids doing down in those classrooms? You're trying to figure out church and whether this would be a church for you. We know that that is hard, and we know that feeling of that uncertainty sitting in the chair. It's partly why we even have a next steps area. Right out on the other side of this curtain, there's this area that we call next steps. And the reason why we have that is for you to be able to go to somebody and talk to someone in person, not just read it online, not just read it in a brochure, but talk to somebody in person. And when you talk to that person, that might be the very first connection you'll make to the church. And so when you go out and you talk to Chris Sturgeon or you talk to Natalie or any one of the people that they've got out there, that might be your first connection and then they'll connect you with somebody else because our goal is not that you just meet friendly people in this church. Our goal is that you make friends. And so, so we hope that that might happen. It's why we have those cards in that seat back in front of you. We have those cards that if you fill those out, if you're newish or whatever, and you want to give us your information, it's so that we can give you the info so that you can connect with other people. So, so if you are new, know that we, are, we want to go all out to make your experience one that you can at least make a decision on whether or not this might be your church, okay? And that's why we even give t-shirts out there. If you are new or you have a card and you haven't filled it out yet, go out to the, new, the next step thing and, and turn, in a, turn in the card. You get a free t-shirt. We don't, we don't do that so you can promote a scent everywhere. I don't know if, you know, 50 t-shirts can do that much in the community. It's more of just going, this is how much we love you guys and how much we value you as someone that's just checking it out. So go out there, get a t-shirt, give that information, or just go talk to somebody and ask them the questions around church, okay? Because we, we know that that's a hard first step, and we want to make that as easy as possible for you, okay? Um, you have come on a great Sunday to be here at church because we are still in this series called On Purpose, talking about some of the characteristics of our church that make a scent what it is. And so it's a great time for you to hear more about it if you're trying to figure it out. Next week, we're starting a new series. Jim is all fired up about this new series called The Truth Hurts. And it's times where, where Jesus said some of the harder things in Scripture and stuff that you don't really talk about that much in church and stuff that you read and you go, oh, I don't like it that Jesus said that. Well, we're going to talk about those things because what we want to show is even in the hardest things that Jesus shared, underneath that was this, this huge amount of love and grace that he has for everybody. And so we're going to take a look at those hard passages over the next five weeks. So we're fired up about that, but, but we want to finish this one on, on purpose, okay? So here's what we've been doing. We have been looking at, at, at the characteristics of Jesus and, we've been try- and we're saying, how do we as a church live into those characteristics of Jesus? And how do we individually live into those characteristics of Jesus? We've acknowledged some of them really are, are really specific to our church. 
And we've seen it throughout these five years of this church being in existence, some of these characteristics of Jesus that have come right to the surface. So we've talked about so far over these five weeks, we have talked about how Jesus is inspiring. And so what's it look like for us individually and us as a church to be an inspiring church that pushes you towards the the next step? Jesus was personal. So what's it look like as a church that we would be personal and actually connect with somebody else instead of us just be one big anonymous group of people that we would actually connect and be relational because Jesus was deeply relational. We're talking about the fact that Jesus was generous, generous with the gospel, generous with the good news. And so what does it look like for us to be extravagantly generous and surprise people with generosity? We talked last week about how Jesus was ridiculously accessible. He was accessible to anyone. He did not hold back to to one person and go to another person. He was accessible to anyone. And so what's it look like to be a church? And what's it look like for us individually to step into being accessible So we talked about all four of those things. Well, look, this last one that we're talking about today, this is like, as we start to discover what each of those mean, that Jesus is personal and inspiring and he's generous and he's accessible, as we start to live into what those mean, we can then live into this this fifth one. I, I read this someplace here. It says, listening to Jesus' teachings and admiring his character was not enough for Jesus. He was very personal, in your face, below the surface. He wanted his followers to know him to the core. So just admiring his character isn't enough. We want to live into his character. And when we do with those first four, we step into this last one. And this last one is Jesus was risk-taking. Jesus was risk-taking. Jesus would step outside of what we knew, and he's saying, I'm going to step right into fully trusting and leaning on God in this, in this situation. And he's going, and, and what does it look like for us to be risk-taking? What's it look like for us to step out beyond what we know? What's it look like for us to step out beyond our comfort? What's it look like to step out into a place where God is going to meet us there And he's got something powerful in store for us there. That's what we're talking about, risk-taking. We believe that risk and faith go hand in hand. You can't have faith without taking a risk, and you can't have risk without having faith. We know that those those come together, and so we want to be a church that is a risk-taking church. Now, we acknowledge there are some people that love to take risks. That's just part, you just feel like that's part of your DNA. I just love it. I love the adventure. I love the challenge. I love the unknown of taking a risk. But there are some of us that are, have an aversion to risk. We don't want it. We like, we like where we sit right where we're at. We like having things predictable and within our control. I don't like the, I see other people that take risks. I'm going, that's just not me. But here's what we're talking about today. We're talking about when you step out into that place where God's power is right there for us, where his presence is right there for us, where his Holy Spirit is right there for us. And he offers that to every single one of us. And because he does, even those that have an aversion to risk can step into that because that's there waiting for you. We're talking about risk today. And what's it look like to be a church that's not afraid to take that step out there into a place that we don't know? And to take a step out there, maybe even to what feels like the impossible but we'll take that step anyway. Let's pray together and we'll, dry, we'll dive into this last one. Father, we pray that you would be here with us today. We know you are. We love it that we don't have to invite you here. You're already here. And we pray that you would speak to us today. 
We pray that you would speak to us of, of, of the places that we're at in our life, the places that we're choosing, we're choosing to follow and places that we're choosing not to. God, I know that there's lots of stuff going on in the room, lots of things rolling around in everyone's head about what was happening this morning or what happened yesterday or what happened last week. And I pray that in the midst of all of that uh, chaos that we all live in, I pray that there would be a place of peace and a place where we can sit at your feet and a place where we can hear what you have to say to us today. God, speak to us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right, I want to take you back six years ago. Okay, so six years ago, almost to the day, it was in February six years ago, that I am sitting in the sanctuary at First Pres Church down in Boulder, I'm sitting in this massive sanctuary. It's got ton of these big, long pews, and it's big, and it's got this huge cross in the front. I'm by myself. It's probably two in the afternoon. It's dark in the room. Nobody else is around. I'm just sitting there, and I'm holding onto a piece of paper, and the piece of paper says this. It says, to the leadership at First Pres Church, Jackie and I have decided that it's time for us to call it quits. After 14 great years, it's time for us to call it quits. And I'm holding this piece of paper in my hands, and I can't wait to give it to him. No, that's not at all true. I'm holding this piece of paper in my hands, and I am scared to death. Tears are starting to come down my face. Jackie and I have been praying about this. We've been thinking through it for a long time. And I'm going, but this is that moment, that moment that I'm about to actually do this, and I'm about to actually turn this paper in. And so I'm sitting there, and all I could think of is my kids, all I could think of is my, my future, the unknown future in retirement, and will I ever have retirement? And all I could think about was the, was the percentage, because I knew that we wanted to start a church, and I could, all I could think of is that percentage that, that 82% of, of startup churches die within three years. And I'm sitting there going, there's not a lot of assurance in that. And of the 18%, most of those just try to live to survive. And so I'm thinking, what am I doing I was thinking, I'm leaving something that I really know. I know college students. I know that work. 21 years of spending time with college students to something I don't know. And so I was scared to death. People say, gosh, that's so courageous. There was, there was zero courage in that. I was scared. And I'm holding this paper, and I'm crying, and I'm going, God, really? And then I feel like there was a point in the midst of all that where God's just going, hey, Bill, it's time. Stand up. It's time. So I stood up and wiped the tears away, and I walked up to Eric's office. He's a pastor at First Pres, and, and I opened and knocked on the door, and, he, and I handed the paper to him. I said, it's time. It's time for me to step out into this unknown. Now, look, we all don't, we don't, we all don't have that same story. It's, no, we're not all, you know, going to plant churches, although all of us are part of a church plant. I love t- sharing some of that story because we're all part of this church plant that is a sin. But we all have our own different story. But the reality is, within that, the one thing that we all have totally in common is that moment. We all have that moment, that moment where we have to make a decision. Am I ready to make a step or not? Can I actually make this step or not? So many times, I mean, shoot, when I was in that moment there, I mean, there were, there were 20 other times before that that I said, no, God, I'm not ready. So many times in that moment, we will say no. But every once in a while, 
we'll find that yes. We have all had those moments. We've all faced that risk. I wrote down a, 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 a list of a few things that we, all, that we all might relate. Those moments when you know you got to take the risk, when you know you're stepping out beyond what you can control, the moment that might define your best move or it might define your worst move. Those moments. I'm talking about when you're a little kid and you're getting swimming lessons and, you're, and it's not the moment of jumping into the water. I'm talking way before that. I'm talking when you're, when you're in that little locker room in the public pool, or at least that's what happened with me, and I'm putting on these tiny little s- swimming suit from Sears that my mom bought, and they're checkered and ugly, and, and I'm going, this is going to be embarrassing when I walk out there, and everybody else is swimming in the deep end, and I've never been in the pool before. I'm talking about that moment where you can smell the chlorine, and you're going, am I ready to go do this? I'm talking about the moment a college student gets dressed knowing this is the day you're going to ask that girl out. I'm not talking about the moment that you ask the girl out for the first time. I'm saying the moment that you just are getting ready to try to do that. I'm talking about the middle schooler that's getting out of the car for the first day of tryouts for baseball. And they're sitting in the car and they're looking at their glove. They're not thinking, it's not the the first ground ball that they get. I'm talking about that moment in the car before they get out. I'm talking about that moment, the day you're going to buy the ring just as you're just about to buy the ring, not the day that you, that, you, that you ask somebody to spend the rest of your life with them. I'm talking about the day that you buy the ring. I'm talking about that first step towards a group of people where you see a group talking and hanging out together and you're, you're that person that's going, I want to go talk to them, but I'm afraid to, or I'm an introvert, and so, so I can't do that. And you just tell yourself, no, I'm an introvert, but you make that step towards them that moment. I'm talking about the moment you park your car in a parking lot at a church and you're a dude that's going to go into a guy's small group and you're going, what in the world do they do in a guy's small group? And now I have to go to that. And you're sitting in your car parking lot and you're going, should I go to McDonald's and just tell my wife that I went to it or should I actually go? I'm talking about that moment. I'm talking about the, the, the Google search when you decide it's time to change job. It's the send button on the email from a mom who's choosing to leave the family and head on a mission trip. You guys, I've had that a couple of times just as we're getting ready for Cuba. It's it's that moment that you go, am I ready? I have been giving my entire life to my kids and my husband, and now I'm going to do this. I'm going to go on this trip. Am I ready to do that? I'm talking about the door when you're about to go into your boss's office and confront him, or it's the day you turn in your retirement papers, not sure if you've saved up enough to get you to the end. I'm talking about those moments, that moment when you have something hiding inside or that you have been holding onto inside that you're so afraid that someone's going to discover, but it's beating from the inside and it's pushing. It's like a volcano pushing on your skin from the inside saying, I've got to let this out and I've got to tell somebody. And that moment that you're about to go tell somebody and you don't know what their response will be. You don't know if they'll respond with judgment. You don't know if they'll respond and not care. But it's that moment that you want to share it. See, we all, we all have those moments. Sometimes they're major, sometimes they're minor. But even the minor ones seem major, don't they? Now let's add to this moment. Let's add to it a feeling that you get inside, a gut feeling that you have that you start to go, why do I feel like someone's nudging me towards it? Why do I feel like someone's saying I should do this? And you start to, you start to go, is that actually God? Is that possibly his nudge? 
And you start to go, is that his voice? Because see, a lot of us have never heard God's voice before, but is that his voice that's saying, you step out, I've got you, step out. And you start feeling that. You talk to somebody that's a godly friend in your life and they're affirming it. And so you're going, okay, now, now I'm starting to feel it. Now I'm starting to sense that actually, is God actually even giving me the encouragement to take this step? I'm talking about those moments Brene Brown says this, you guys. She says, after doing this work for the past 12 years and watching our families, organizations, and communities, I'd say the one thing we have in common is we're sick of feeling afraid. We want to dare greatly. We are tired of the national conversation centering on what should we fear and who should we blame. We all want to be brave. And that's true, we all want to be brave, but man, don't we tend to lean on the fear uh, more times than not? In those moments, aren't we really starting to think more about the fear and who to blame? As a church, we do it all the time, you guys. You would think that the church would lead us in this. And the church would be the place where you're going, of course, step out when you've got that opportunity to step out because Jesus is right there. But the church is, we're notorious for, for being in a place where you go, yeah, but there's a lot to fear. And because of that, I don't think we should step forward. And so we, we just, we just kind of hold up and hope we can take care of what we've got and take, instead of take that step out. We fear the economy. Well, what's going to happen if the economy tanks? Well, we can't do this new venture that we're going to do in the church. We fear, we fear, the, um, we, we, we fear that, that you guys won't show up next week and... and the chairs will be empty. And we're going, well, did Jim preach last week? What happened? Why is no one here? <laughs> Sorry, that's not, that's not. We love Jim. Anyway, so it's, we fear those things. We fear that you're not going to give enough. And all of a sudden you'll stop being faithful financially. And so now all of a sudden we can't do what we do. We fear that because the possibility of that, we'll get, we'll, we'll stop, we'll stop thinking about how to step out and we'll blame, we'll blame something else. Had to be somebody else's fault. Must be Trump's fault. Must be another church's fault. We'll blame anything to keep us from having to take that step. We'll do that as a church. We'll do that individually. How do we make that step? How do we take that moment and go, I'm going. I'm going to do this. Well, let me take you back 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, I'm going to take you back to a moment. I'm not going to take you back to a, to a time period. I'm taking you back to a moment. 2,000 years ago, Jesus is with his disciples on this day, and they are, they are, there's 5,000 people all over the place, or thousands of people all over the place, and they're all there to listen to Jesus talk, and Jesus is sitting there with them, and, he's, and, and, and at one point, the disciples say, man, they're getting hungry, it's getting late in the day, and Jesus says, all right, well, we got to feed them, and Andrew comes up with this little guy with this little basket of fish and some bread, and he says, here we go, this is the only food we've got, it'll feed the front row. And Jesus says, all right, go ahead, get started. And the disciples get started, and they start feeding those people in the front row, and they come back and get some more. And then they started feeding some more. And they come back, and there's more there again. And they started feeding some more. And now you can picture the disciples starting to run back and going, there's more again. Where is this coming from? As Jesus continues to multiply it. And the disciples just keep feeding everybody. Well, when that was done, when the disciples were done feeding everybody, and everyone had their fill, Jesus looks to them, and he says, all right, you guys, 
Head off to Capernaum. I'm going to meet you there. I'm going to go spend some time with my dad. Go down to the water. Go across the water. And then we'll, we'll meet on the other, uh, over here, okay? And so the disciples went down to the water. Now it's getting dark. Or it is dark. And the disciples get into a boat. And they start going out onto the Sea of Galilee. Now, that sea, it looks like an ocean. I mean, I, when I was there, I was so shocked at how big the Sea of Galilee is. It, it, it's enormous. And, and, and so when you look out there, people don't go across the entire Sea of Galilee. They go over corners of it. So when Jesus says, go from here to here, he's going to walk there. You're going to go over this corner. Well, what happened is they get into this boat and they start going out to sea. And all they could see is the waves starting to come. The wind starts to blow and they're blowing them straight out into the middle of the sea. And so now the disciples are starting to get scared. Their, their, fear, their fear is rising. But they know that there's a couple of fishermen in the boat. You know, John and James and Andrew and Peter, those guys are fishermen. They've seen this a thousand times. But there's a point in the midst of the wind and the waves and the darkness that even the fishermen started getting scared. Even they were going, what's going on here? And so they're all, they're scared to death. They're, they're looking and they're seeing the waves crashing over the boat. Well, while this is happening, Jesus comes down to the shore and knows they're in trouble. And so Jesus decides, I'm going to go out to him. Every other time we've ever seen Jesus in the, at the water, he gets into a boat. This time he chooses not to. He decides he's just going to walk out on the water. And Jesus walks out on, this, on these waves in the middle of this wind, and he walks right out to the disciples. And they see him and they say, it's got to be a ghost. Now we look at that and we say, now how could they conclude it's got to be a ghost? Why would they conclude that? Well, come on, you guys. When the storms are hitting in our life, how easy is it to see God? We don't see him. That's the last thing we'll see in the storm. We don't see God in the midst of that. And they didn't see him. They just thought it was a ghost. And Jesus starts to speak to him. Let's pick this up here, okay? It says this. It says, Meanwhile, the boat was far out to sea when the wind came up against them and they were battered by the waves. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came towards them walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it is me. Do not be afraid. Now I'm going to stop right there because there's a really interesting part right here. See, see, Matthew, we're reading Matthew's version of this. This is Matthew writing this stuff down. Mark, when he writes about this, he says something that happens in this moment. He says, Jesus was passing by. Now, when you read that, you look at it and you go, so did Jesus not care because Jesus was just passing by them? He wasn't going to help them? No, Mark was actually using a word. He wanted to emphasize something. He was using a word that we only see two other times in Scripture. We see it with Moses and we see it with Elijah. When Moses, when God, it says God was passing by Moses, Moses was scared to death. And it meant that something extraordinary was about to happen in Moses' life. When God passes by Elijah, it meant something extraordinary is about to happen in Elijah's life. And so when Mark writes, Jesus is passing by, he's saying, get ready. Something extraordinary is about to happen in the lives of these disciples that are sitting on this boat. In particular, one of them. Peter suddenly, oh wait, and before I, before I go to that next part, I want to ask us the question. Because it makes me, the reason why I get so caught up with that part, Jesus passing by, is it makes me think about it myself. It makes me go, how many times is Jesus passing by? When I'm at home with my family, how many times is Jesus passing by and something extraordinary could happen? How many times is Jesus passing by here at church? 
How many times is he passing by while you're at work or you're at school? He's passing by. And something extraordinary could happen. But it might mean we need to take a step. Are we even aware that he's passing by? So then he keeps going. Peter suddenly, boldly said, Master, if it's really you, call to me and come out of the water. Call to me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint heart, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat and the wind died down. And the disciples in the boat, having watched this whole thing, worshiped Jesus, saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. So here's what happens at this point. Here's what happens in church. We'll we'll read that, and here's what we'll talk about. When Peter was out on the water, and Jesus is right there, he starts to sink because he starts to focus on the waves and the wind, and he sinks down to his his knees, and Jesus says, you have little faith or whatever, and he pulls Peter out of the water, and he says, come on, keep focused on me. And, And so we say, so when you take that risk, make sure you're still focused on Jesus. You guys, that's an awesome sermon. I could give that sermon. I'll give that sermon next week. I'll just tell Jim we're going to start the week after that for, that for the next series. We're going to still talk about this stuff. I could give that sermon. That's a great thing for us all to think about. Just keep our eyes focused on Jesus. But the part that I want to talk about today is I want to talk about the part where Peter's in the boat. I want to talk about the part where Peter's sitting there in this boat and Jesus commands, come out here on the water. I, I, we have this boat here. You guys in the back probably haven't even been able to see the boat, but we have this boat here, and, I, and this is the moment. I can't relate to walking on water, but I can relate to this spot. I can relate to a, a place here where I'm going, I know what's here, and I know what seems safe, even though it feels like we're going to die. I know this stuff is the predictable stuff that I am fully aware of. That I don't know at all. I know this. And Jesus is saying, I command, come out on the water. And, and, and Peter has to make that decision. He's having that moment. I just think about, I think about the T-bar. I think about my, my dad. My dad, when I was younger, when I was in high school, he, he always told me, talked to us about the T-bar that you make. If you're making a decision, you make the T-bar and you go, okay, what's the pluses of staying and what's the pluses of going, okay? And so you make this little T-bar. Now, don't worry about my writing or anything. You'll get the picture, and you guys over there can just look on the screen. But staying or going, what's the positives of staying? If you're Peter in that boat, the positives are, one, it's dry, okay? It's dry. I know that. Two, my buddies are with me. Okay, my, I, I'm with other people. I'm not on my own. My buddies are with me in this. Three, you're talking about walking on water. And I'll just say that sounds crazy. Okay, that's on this side. That's crazy. That's impossible. You're asking me to do that. On this side, it's safe. Maybe. I feel like I'm going to die, but it's safe. It's known. A lot of positives on this side. 
On this side, Jesus is passing by. Oh, I could even put here, is that even Jesus? That's a question that we could be asking in the midst of this. That's your T-bar. What are you doing? You look at that. Dry. Got a lot of things that I like about that, part, part that staying. Jesus is passing by. I'm sitting in this boat and all that good stuff's happening. And Jesus is passing by. And that's enough for Peter to get out of the boat. He does, but we don't. You know what we do? We do this. You guys, this is Prop Sunday. I used to do props in here all the time, but I'm a, this is Prop Sunday today. You know, you know what we do? We do this. All right, I'll get into the boat. So long as I can bring along with me all that I have worked for. If I can bring all that I have worked for, I'm right there with you, Jesus. Well, I'll also bring all that I love. See, this is a portrait of me and Jackie and the kids when they were all younger and cute. And, <laughs> and I was cute back then. Jackie's still really hot now, but the rest of us were just cute back then. So long as I can bring what I love, the people that I love, so long as I can bring that, then I'm okay. And, and I want to bring the things that I love to do. For me, it's golf, okay? So I bring, I bring the things. Oh, I bring this, and I'll bring this, and now I'm just about ready. But oh, one more thing. My fishbowl. No, it's not a fishbowl. This is my crystal ball. It's a crystal ball, you guys. <laughs> so long as you tell me, you give me some assurance on the future, so long as you tell me this is going to be okay, as long as you get some glimpse of what's going to happen down the road, okay, okay, Jesus, I'm all set for you. I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll, I'll do, I'll, you say it, I'll do it. And I'll get into the boat. I'm ready to get into the boat. Now what? What do you want? What, you, you, you getting my attention? You commanded me to do something? I mean, you guys, it's, it's funny because it's stupid. I'm being dumb, but, but it's real because he'll command us. He'll say, come on, and we'll filter it through these things. We'll filter it through this stuff, and when Jesus calls us out, we will say, well, wait a minute, but what about my family? What about what I've worked for? What about my future? And when we filter through those things, how in the world doesn't fear win? How doesn't blaming something else or somebody else win? When we're filtering it through all this stuff and we're saying, Jesus, you're calling me out, but that's crazy, that's stupid. This is stuff that I value deeply. How in the world would we ever be able to respond from this stuff? See, we learn something from Peter. We learn a couple of things. The first thing we learn from Peter 
is he traveled light. He traveled light. When Jesus called him, when he first called him and he said, Peter, come and be my disciple. Drop your nets and follow me. He, did, he wasn't saying stop being a fisherman. See, some people say, see, Jesus is going, stop all you do and just follow me. Stop being a fisherman. He wasn't telling Peter to stop being a fisherman. We know that because when Jesus died, Peter went back to fishing. And when Jesus rose from the dead and went back to Peter, he didn't go, what the heck are you doing fishing? I told you to stop fishing. He didn't tell him to stop. He just said, will you trust me with those important areas of your life? Can I have those? Will you trust me that I'm holding them? And will you trust me so that you can walk, you can travel lightly, so that when I call you out, you can go and not have to filter it through that stuff? See, we learn a couple of things from Peter, how he stepped out of the boat and that we don't, is he traveled lightly and we don't. And this is where, this is where God is saying to us, he's saying, can I hold your family? And can I hold all the things that you love? And can I hold all the things that you have worked for? And can I hold all the things that you're seeing in your future? Will you trust me to hold it so that you can travel lightly? So that when that time comes that I'm calling you out of the boat, your first response would be, all right, here I go. See, we learned a couple of things from Peter. We learned that, that he traveled lightly. The second thing we learned from Peter is he remembered. He he remembered. We know that because of the way he lived his life. We know that in some of the writings that he gave in 1 and 2 Peter and some of the letters that he wrote. We know that he remembered. He remembered who Jesus is. In that moment in that boat, do you think he's stepping out to this stranger? Man, he remembers the things that he has seen that Jesus has done. He, he, re, he remembers what happened earlier that day. Because earlier that day, he remembers the bread. And he remembers how God provided. Provi- he remembers that. That happened that day. You know in his brain, he can look back and he's going, man, I remember what that wine tasted like when he changed that water into wine in Cana. He remembers what what it was like when he watched his mother-in-law being healed at his own house. He remembers the power that Jesus could heal and that power. He remembers that power. He remembers that Jesus stood before the Sanhedrin and stood before the Roman, the, the, the Roman uh, the, the government. He stood before them. He, he remembers how strong Jesus is from all the things that he saw. But then on top of that, it's all the things he heard. Because every single time Jesus would say something, Peter was going, man, we'll check that. We'll see if that's going to come true. We'll see if he's going to stay strong on that. And every single time Jesus did, he started to realize those promises of Jesus. Those promises were rock solid. The promise that I will never leave you nor forsake you, you know that's right there in Peter's brain. I will never leave you. (laughs) 
I'll never leave you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. I come to give you life. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. He starts recognizing and remembering all these promises that Jesus gave. And he trusted in those. Now, you guys, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a little bit of a spoiler for movies, okay? Here's a little spoiler that I discovered about probably six or seven years ago in movies, and it ruins all movies. Anytime you ever hear the lead actor in a movie, the guy or the, or the man or the woman in the movie that's the lead actor, anytime you ever hear them say, I promise, I promise I'll, I'll come back, I promise I'll return, you watch this. Every time they say that, they actually fulfill that promise. Hollywood hasn't figured out how to change that plot. Anytime they say, I promise, they actually do it. I told my kids this, and now they can't watch movies anymore either because as soon as someone says, I promise, they're going, ah, now we know. We know that one lives. I promise I'll be there. You know, in, 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 uh, in, uh, um, we were soldiers. I love the war movies, and we were soldiers. Mel Gibson promises his kid, I'll come home. And he comes home. Wow, that was a shocker. He promised it. In the Patriot, same guy, Mel Gibson. Some Mel, he promised, and he came home. It ruins all movies. It's a plot killer. Can you imagine if you and I lived our lives recognizing that God's promises never change and never fail? Can you imagine if we actually lived our life that way? If we did, we'd be complaining to Jesus that he's ruining the plots of our life. Because we'd be going, great, Jesus, now I know. You, I, I don't know what the future holds, but you're going to be with me always to the ends of the age? You ruined the plot. You're going to be with me. We can look at that with anything that he's doing. You can, the, the, the promises of, of uh, I, I wrote a couple of them down. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's dark clouds on the horizon. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. Ruin the plot. Everything feels out of control. All things work for the good of those alone are called according to his purpose. Now I know. Darn it. I'm feeling fearful today. The Lord is with you. Jesus, you keep ruining the plot. Max Lucado says this. He says, what does he say? What it says. He says this, faith is the deeply held belief that God will keep his promises. Faith is the deeply held belief that God will keep his promises. And see, Peter knew it. He's going to keep his promises. And Lucado later says this. He says, Here's our, here, what are we doing? He says, are we pondering the problem or are we pondering the promise? Because if we're pondering the problem, we're sitting in a boat and we are pondering the problem walking on water. But Peter pondered the promise. Wow, that's hard to say. Peter pondered the promise. Are you pondering the promise? Or are you pondering the problem? When you're watching your kids growing and Things are happening, you're going, I wish they could be different, I wish I could change, I wish I could be a better parent. Are we pondering the problem? Or are we pondering the promise? See, there are promises all over Scripture that are unchanging and that are rock solid. Peter pondered the promise. 
And it helped him to step out onto the water. When you start looking at this T-bar, I got dry and I got friends. Or Jesus is passing by. And he provides and he has power and he's strong and he never leave us and his yoke is easy and he gives us life. Now all of a sudden, it's looking a little stronger on the side that would say step out of the boat. Are we stepping out of the boat? Are we sitting in on what we know? I got one last thing I want to share with you guys as we, as we finish up here. I've been talking and been using this whiteboard, and some of you I know are sitting there going, why is he using a 1980s dumb whiteboard turned on its side? I know some of you guys are saying that, and you're going, why can't we get to a point technologically that we can actually do something on the screens? And I've actually gone further back than Jim does with his flip chart, that I've actually gone to a 1980s whiteboard. I know some of you guys are thinking that. I know some of you guys are, are thinking it right now. You guys, there's a reason why I used this whiteboard. Because, because... Five years ago, Jim and I are sitting in this office. Somebody rented an office space for us for two months. We were just getting started. We didn't, we didn't have anything. We didn't even have a tablet of paper. We, we were so used to being in a church where you could go down to a storage closet and get a tablet of paper. We didn't even have a tablet of paper. And so we're sitting in this office, the most depressing thing you could see, two guys sitting in an office with nothing on the walls, cream-colored walls, just sitting there going, what do we do now? We got on our knees and we prayed in desperation for what God might do. We're thinking we got to come up with a plan, and, but we need even something to write on to write out that plan. And a little bit later... We get a knock on the door, and a friend of ours, Jamie Miles, who's currently part of our, our leadership team here at Ascent, Jamie Miles is working in an office a parking lot away from ours, and he walks across that parking lot with a 1980s massive dry erase board that is super awkward, him walking with it, and he knocks on our door and he says, you guys need something to dream on. And, and I, get, I get teary when I think about it because you guys, when you have nothing and then you get something like this dumb little dry erase board, this massive, ridiculous dry erase board, and, 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 you, and we start dreaming on it, you start to see God's provision in a dry erase board. This is a picture of Jim in the, in the, um, in the office. <laughs> In the midst of our plans, I mean, it says Tuesday 10-8 on there, and that's October. We started the church in December. These are just some of the plans of what we're going to try to do on that dry erase board right there. Hardly anything's changed in that picture. <laughs> and we remember. We remember that God provides. We remember that God has been with us all the way through. We remember that he's laid his hand of blessing on this place. We remember that from a dry erase board can go all the way to a $10 million building project. Remember that a dry erase board can come to, to people being baptized in Cuba. 
Remember that a dry erase board might be the beginning of your neighbor's story when you invite them in. That God provides. And we have got to keep remembering it to step out of the boat. We got to remember and remind ourselves of the promises and step out of the boat. We want to be a church that isn't going to be hiding, isn't going to be in fear, isn't going to be blaming, but that we just say we're going to take the risk, we're going to step out of the boat because we know that God provides and we know that we can remember all that he has done before. And so we're going to do it. And we're going to travel lightly. We want to trust our, our family and our stuff and everything that we love we're going to, and our future. We're going, to, we're going to travel lightly. And we want our church to travel lightly so that we're all ready to step out of the boat when he calls us, when he commands us. And with great obedience, we say, yeah, we're ready to do it. When Peter finished up, Years later, and he wrote, he wrote his letters, First and Second Peter. He wrote this, and I think that he was thinking about that night in the boat. God has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. His, his very great, not just great, his very great, not just his valuable, his precious promises so that through them you may participate, step out, step out of what we know into something that God's got for us and see what, that, what happens there when we start to fully rely on his power and his strength and his Holy Spirit in my life individually and then in our life as a church and see where that goes because that's, that's participating in the divine nature and who knows what the Lord's going to do there. That's a risk-taking church. That's us individually saying, yes, Jesus, I'm responding to your command to get out of the boat. Father, we pray that you would help each one of us to, to recognize that you are, you are speaking to us. It, sometimes we wonder if, if that's your voice or not. And we, we pray that you would help us to recognize that you are speaking to us, that you do want us to step out, that you do want us to trust you. God, we pray that you, we would walk, we, we, we'd travel lightly and we'd surrender the things that are the most important to us and trust that they're best at your feet and not in our hands. And we pray that, that then we would be able to remember all that you have promised, all of who you are, and we'd step out and get to see what you have next. And God, may our blessings not keep us from stepping out of the boat, that they would, they would help us to step out of the boat and that we would recognize that there's another chance to bless somebody else or to be blessed as we step right into your divine nature. God, help each one of us to make that step. It's in your name we pray, amen. Hey, you guys.